0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: All right, all right. Well, well, this is Trevor Dion Nicholas, and you're listening to the Theater Podcast. I'm here as Nick Fury signing off.
2: Welcome to the theater podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. This episode with Trevor Dion Nicholas is by far, I think, one of my most favorite I've had simply because not only is he a really cool guy and really fun to talk to, but it's talking about the return of lives theater. This is coming back. We can sort of see a light at the end of the tunnel here, which is really, really amazing. He's hosting one of the first live shows to return to the West End since COVID shut everything down, which you can view right now at youtube.com slash the shows must go on. It's plural shows. It benefits the theater support fund, which was set up on the West End to help Artists and performers out there, just keep the lights on. And and as we all know, there have just been no work. So some people had a really hard time paying the bills. They've raised tons and tons of money. So head over there right now. Go check out that. It's an amazing collection of performances from all of the shows that have been on the West End. 18 of the biggest musical numbers, actually, to be specific. You can watch it free until June 13th. Trevor's story, personally, we get into that, of course. His story is amazing. He made his Broadway debut in Aladdin here in New York, which brought him to London, where he found, as he calls it, his second home. He's been there for several years, loves it out there, wants to stay out there, has got a wonderful, wonderful story to tell, and I'm going to let him tell it. So, everybody, find me online on Instagram and Twitter, theater underscore podcast, or on Facebook at slash podcast.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun
2: Today's award-winning guest made his Broadway debut in Aladdin and subsequently originated the role of Genie when the production opened on the West End. He has TV and film credits that include The Americans, one of my favorite shows, and the forthcoming release of Aladdin Live from the West End on Disney+. When theater reopens in London, he'll return to Hamilton as the leader of the pack, George Washington. But he can be seen right now hosting the show Must Go On live at the Palace Theater, which is available online right now through June 13th to benefit the theater support fund Trevor Dion Nicholas welcome to the theater podcast what
1: is oh thank you thank you Alan nice to nice to virtually meet you
2: exactly <laughs> yes I, we were just talking about that before we were we were recording it's like is this like uh, like online dating right yeah. everyone's yeah, yeah. been seeing each other and and getting to know each other and then we covid's been lifting and we're like do we do we touch each other now? Because
1: we can, do we Do we, can, hug, did, do we, we hug like do we, we lean into the elbow bump? It <laughs> seems to still be the the, the main socially acceptable um, form of greeting these days. Yeah, it's right. A big question.
2: right. <laughs> well, I want to I want to real quick dive into this mm-hmm. and and talk about the show must go on, uh, which is uh, it, so w- this episode is coming out June eighth, twenty twenty one, and you've already had a couple shows. Actually, all the shows are done, and uh, this is available now. uh, up until this coming Sunday um, on their YouTube channel. Yeah. And that will be in the show notes and whatnot, so everybody go check that out. But I want to just get started because the the theater support fund. I was looking that up because this is a UK
1: specific thing that to mm-hmm.
2: me seemed. Well, again, like, explain it in your own words. What is the theater support fund?
1: What is this show about? The whole about? thing is the the whole show is about uh, as as everything shut down. Um, it, it was it was uh, it was terrifying. It was terrifying for the whole industry and that's been globally. And so in May of 2020, um, uh, Chris Marcus and and Damian Stanton. Uh, began the creation of the theater support fund and the idea of finding a way to raise money to help these people in the industry who uh, who have been left out in the cold. Uh, a lot of people a large majority of people here in the u k uh, especially in the entertainment industry, were left without any government support. Um, there was no there was no unemployment for us to 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 ask for. Uh, myself included. And so we were left very much out in the cold. And so the, the idea of the theater support fund was to start providing support for people through the whole industry, not just the actors on stage, but people backstage, uh, people in orchestras all over so that there was, uh, there was some help when we needed it our most. And so I guess the equivalent, so this is
2: all, uh, in the London, the West end, uh, mm-hmm. so that region out there. So in, in, in the, in the, I guess on Broadway uh, out here I'm trying to have the equivalent so I guess it's it's the actors fund right um it, yeah. in a way because the actors fund the actors fund is more it's it's been more established and it mm-hmm, has more mm-hmm. like legal assistance and yes. and greater things but they kind of pivoted when covid hit to raise money and help just keep
1: people's lights on exactly exactly keep people in their homes keep people's families fed keep people safe and and through these i mean it's been more than a year. It's been more than a year. We lost a year of yeah. not just revenue, but of of sense of self. And so, like the what the what the Actors Fund was able to do, and what the Theater Support Fund has been aiming to do, is to to uh, rebuild that for 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 people. And so it's it's a lot of it. It's just been a struggle. Like it's really been a struggle. And it's been a struggle all over. I don't think anyone has come out of this last fifteen months now um, without some some new some new scars and some new uh some new wear and tear but uh we're still here we're still here and we put and we put on a show a show like you ain't never seen before let me tell you <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, actually, do do tell us, because I, <laughs> I, I was about to re- get into reading what this is, so the show must go on, live at the Palace Theatre. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to re- read what was sent to me. The biggest celebration of musical theatre this year, with 18 of the biggest musicals in London West End, yep. all performing, including Tina, Dear Evan Hansen, everybody's talking about Jamie, which I love. Why that mm-hmm. hasn't come to Broadway yet, I don't freaking know. Six Hamilton, Book of Mormon, Wicked, uh, Matilda, God, The Lion King, Prince of Egypt, Come From Away, The Show go, Must Go On. How? And you are ho, you're one of the two hosts. Yes, I'm hosting so alongside
1: you, like the legend that is Bonnie Langford. Like, and so Bonnie and I have been hanging out and like getting to do this together. We got to do this together. Like, we got <laughs> to present this thing together. We knew each other, but we'd never worked together. I can't I can't imagine the situation where we would have been tossed into. Uh, a show together, uh, but this has been such a phenomenal opportunity, and I'm, I'm, she's, she's got a big chunk of my heart. We've been having a blast. What is how's this been for you to to get
2: everyone together? I feel like there's got to be some sort of catharsis between you and your mm. your colleagues, right? To come back mm. and just be mm. like, holy crap, guys, we are performing again, and this is streaming live, yeah. and it's available to the world for free. For free. I want to add, so YouTube.com/slash. The show must go on, I believe, if that's <laughs> I'll edit that out if that's not correct, but uh, check the show notes for the actual link. but um I am so impressed with the number of people, the number of shows, the number of songs. I was just watching the trailer mm. for this thing, and it's just like hit after hit after hit, and putting it, it all together. Like, did everyone just come together and have a
1: group cry at the first rehearsal? How did this work? Like, genuinely, genuinely, um, it has been it has been very emotional. And like I feel like everybody's had their tears at different points. Uh, initially, so that, that first performance, when Bonnie and I walked out on stage and we because we we were the first things that come out to open the show. We opened with a with a brand new number written by Styles and Drew specifically for the show. Um Uh, with this full orchestra led by Stuart Morley. And it's like, we're on stage with an orchestra, with an audience, a socially distanced audience, but with Mm -hmm. an audience. And um, we step out there and you feel it. And it doesn't feel like just... It doesn't feel like you're just stepping in for a concert. You feel the emotion and the full draw, the, the the catharsis that everyone is having, not just us, but the audience members as well. To be as well to be back in the theater, to be back um, engaging with art in this such a specific way—a way that's older than older than most of our histories. The the idea of presenting stories, um, and and we present them. We're happen to be presenting them through song um but it's something there's a there's a genuine magic in the air uh in the palace theater and it's like we've all had our we've had tears at different points the thing that got me the first night was um because we have this really nice presentation where uh carly toms who plays miss honey and matilda comes out with four matildas and they and they do when i grow up and that's the one that hit me that was the one that hit me and i was just like for these kids there mm. is so much one that's the song in that show. Anyway, it's so there's so much uh, aspiration and there's so much the idea of dreams and like all these things and like especially us in the in the industry and those of us who love the industry, we tend to hold on to a lot of that childhood wonder that uh, that was developed at such a young age. And so that's the one where it really hit me, where I was just like, "Oh, I am, I'm a mess." I was, I was gushing. And so, <laughs> um, but this is remarkable. This is remarkable. Number one, the 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 league of talent that's in the building for all these shows, um, John Owen Jones, like staples of of British musical theater, coming and celebrating the return of it is uh, something unlike I've I've ever I've ever experienced before, and lucky lucky to be a part of, honestly. Oh, that that sounds amazing
2: and i think a never for, an, an experience you're not going to forget i i've got tickets to the reopening of of Moulin Rouge in yes, September here yes, in yes. Broadway and and i've said this a lot of times in the last 15 months it's just like that the buzz i i i'm imagining the the buzz and the excitement of everyone loading into the house mm-hmm. and expecting and then that first downbeat just the whatever that is Listen. of when the orchestra hits just the the Serotonin, dopamine, and yeah. oxy You know, all these releases, right? That are coming out of everyone's brains That are like, <laughs> storytelling is is back And mm-hmm. I love it But anyway, I, I
1: am super, super excited Absolutely For all of this stuff And that um, show, going into the Moulin Rouge reopening It's going to be a party Like, it's going to be a full-on party Oh, there's uh, a reason I chose that show That was a good choice That was a good choice That's the perfect time That's the perfect time <laughs> For all of y'all that won't be there For that first Moulin Rouge show I apologize Still go check it out but that first one's gonna be lit. That's gonna be the one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so I wanna uh
2: get to get to you personally, because mm-hmm. obviously you are in the UK right now. You yeah. are obviously hosting this thing here in the UK, been having a great career out there. You don't have an accent, you're from West Virginia. I'm from you're... West by God,
1: Virginia. Yeah. So
2: tell me your story. How did you
1: grow up, get into theater, mm-hmm. and and make your way across the pond? Well, uh, my my getting into theater is attributed very much to to my parents bobby and doris nicholas my mother actually uh passed very suddenly in january of this year um she's been a a big hit for all of us as a family um but it's very much her especially that that really really encouraged me to uh turn what was a talent into a career and um and take it professionally My, my father was a singer for years until he retired. And so he was much more like maybe not the, uh, the entertainment industry, but as a kid, I was a pain in the ass kid. I, was, I never shut up. I never stopped running around. I never stopped presenting shows. I would take if any, anybody who's old enough to remember the comedian Gallagher, I would, Oh yeah. Uh, watermelons. Yeah. Yes. Yep. He would smash oh, the yeah. watermelons. So I, I love Gallagher. I loved Gallagher. I loved Gallagher as well. Cause they would always play them like super late at night and I'd stay up and they'd play like two or three Gallagher stand-ups. And I would memorize full Gallagher shows. Like, I'd memorize the full show. <laughs> and then I would have my parents come down to the basement, and I was like, I'm going to present a show. And, like, they would watch them with me so they knew what was coming. And so th- I didn't smash a watermelon, but I, what I would do is take these little, like, pots of yogurt out and, like, place them. And I remember my my mom saying, she's like, Trevor, don't do it. And I said, I'm going to clean it up, don't worry. And smashed it <laughs> with a hammer just covered my parents in yogurt. And so they were like, they were very supportive, even of, and, and I can't say I would have that same patience that they had with me. And I feel like it's difficult to like, it's difficult to when you have two parents who are active and are and are so enthralled in, in, in with their own lives for them to pour that much attention into a kid who clearly was craving that much attention. So, uh, they started out, they, my dad drove me down the hill to the, uh, uh, To uh, what later became Morgantown Theater Company with Hillary Phillips, who I started my uh, theatrical education with. I was eight years old, and um, put me into an improv class, and so we we created uh, works for the summer. Like we would just, and I was eight, and there were some other kids, some a little older than me, and we would just create these works, these, these brand new, these brand new ideas and stuff. And I had this idea of like a, like I was super into horror movies as a kid. I still am. Like if you, you can't see on the floor, I have a massive, uh, a massive uh, Michael Myers, uh floor mat. And then I have a Jason Voorhees one over there as well. But I was obsessed with like horror movies as a kid. Cause I would watch them with my dad. And so I had this idea of like the ice cream man who like has been scorned by these kids and comes to hunt them while they're, while they're uh, camping. <laughs> and so we, my first production uh, it with a theater company was the ice cream man's revenge where I played the ice cream man, Freddy scooper, <laughs> Freddy scooper, not Freddy Krueger. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I, I actually haven't thought about that till in forever, <laughs> this the specificity <laughs> of that memory, but, um, that's kind of how it started. And then, uh, Hillary was fantastic and she, she nurtured what I was trying to bring to the table and was like, Hey we have this other program where we do musicals and stuff. And I'd always been a fan of the theater. My parents and I, we would listen to uh, cast recordings nonstop in the car. So like at this point I had all of cats, all of Les Mis, all of Phantom fully memorized um, because that's what we would do on long trips. That's what we would listen to. And so we would always drive up to Pittsburgh when tours were coming in. Um, we would go to, uh, to Broadway. We'd take the, the six hour drive up to Broadway to see shows when we could. Um, I was super into it. They were super into it. And so it just became, uh, as I started, I was like, "Oh, oh my God, I love this! I love this!" And it's that that moment of of uh, as an eight nine year old kid being like, "I think I found where I where I fit." Um, and I kind of was lucky enough and was surrounded by the right people who kept uh, nurturing that, as opposed to ever trying to like snub that out. And so, especially growing up in West Virginia as a black kid, and I was I was a big kid; I was the size of a, of an adult before. Uh, a lot of kids my age, um, and the expectation was was sports, the expectation was football. Um, and that was never my thing. That was never my thing. And I was lucky to have, especially in Morgantown again, where the a lot of the focus in that town is on the sports, because we have WVU is there, and the big focus mm-hmm. is the Mountaineers and the football team and the basketball team, and like they get a lot of attention in the city. And it's and it's wonderful, and it's wonderful that people enjoy it, but it wasn't for me. And I had parents who understood that and were willing to be like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, we're, this is where this is what you do well, and uh, we want to give you all the all the ammunition we can to to let you go as far as you as you're able to. And I've been uh, very lucky. I feel to to have, to have seen the places I've seen. I've performed in uh, Germany. I've performed in Japan. I've of course been on Broadway with Disney's Aladdin. Um, I've bounced around the countries in different shows. I, and I've gotten it. and Aladdin brought me here to London. And, uh, my initial plan was to be here for a year or two years. I fell in love with it. Um, did the entire run of Aladdin here for three and a half years. We filmed mm-hmm. it still awaiting release. Um, but we did film it. It looks incredible. It's, we made something really magical and special with a cast, an international cast of Aladdin with, uh, uh we really had a, a brand new version of the show that had never been assembled before because it was it was like a it was a the cast was chosen specifically to to make this this new version that we would film and present um so i did that and then i got i got to go into hamilton and it's like i mean everybody loves hamilton and it's like and i got to play george washington and like i'm like it's been great and i did that for five months and then everybody went home and everybody sat at home for a year and so (laughs) (laughs) so i'm happy now to uh to be able to to kind of I, I won't say restart the journey, but continue the journey, continue the journey. I'm, I feel privileged and lucky to get to do that.
2: Well, I I, I want to say, though, that that you've really done a good job of establishing yourself. I didn't realize that you hadn't been out there. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I thought you'd been out there longer because you've got a lot of stuff with, with BBC mm-hmm. and you've got some video game voiceover credits because yep. I actually want you to give me the Nick Fury voice here. um <laughs> But for let's see, Lego Marvel Superheroes two, the video yep. game, you do the Nick for Fury voice. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to ask you to give me that in a second. I'll try. I'll but, try. Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. But, uh, I'll try. but you've got you've got this whole uh resume of stuff that's all like London, UK based now. Mm-hmm. So I thought you've been out there for a long time. I didn't realize it. Like you've accomplished
1: a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah, it's, been and, and, it's been five years now. Been five years now, and I've been lucky to get to. uh have my iron in a lot of fires here. And so uh, Disney helped a lot with that because the, the the PR machine that is Disney theatricals um, put me in a lot of, of prime positions to, to be seen and to be seen not just as the genie, but as Trevor and then as, well, what else, what else can he do? And like, let's, let's find these things. And this, then there's this, this blossoming voiceover thing. And so that's the voiceovers have been honestly what's kept, um, kept me afloat through lockdown that's what's kept the lights on because it's like had those not been there and so i've been bouncing between three projects over the last year and those three which unfortunately i can't name uh Mm -hmm. but those three once we finish rolling i'll tell you what they are because i'm really excited (laughs) about them (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm really excited about them so once we're done i'll tell you exactly what they are uh but those three projects have been uh uh, gifts gifts and uh, i'm i'm really grateful for for Uh, the ability to keep performing in any form and now i get to go back to the stage that is amazing and
2: out there in london has it been sort of the same thing i i hope the answer is yes in that casting directors and producers have uh, for tv and film and Mm -hmm. now voiceovers too have started to pull out of theater because in 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 new york especially uh i forget who it was. i think it was um dick wolf you know, the, the CSI yeah. franchise, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Who's just like, I'm just going to cast all theater people because yeah. they're out of work right now. Mm-hmm. So you've got, like, all of these Broadway people you're, who I'm seeing all over TV for the first time because they the casting directors, the industry, has shifted their focus to include more of them. Has that been
1: happening out there at all? Yes, definitely. Now, we haven't had, like, the same, the same level of... Uh, <laughs> we haven't had the same... The same uh, level of exposure as some of these, because uh, like you had the what was it the, the, the SVU with like Alex the, Brightman, Alex Brightman and yeah. Eva, and even in the same episode. It's like uh, this is like epic like Broadway Broadway nerd excitement right now. Like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I was living my best life with that one. So we haven't had that. We haven't necessarily had that same uh, level of mass exposure. But yes, yes, ultimately, yeah, they've been pulling from from theater because like you have a lot of people. Well, number one, everybody. Everybody has a full self-tape studio in their own house now, um, which we may not have uh, a year ago, but now everybody, at least everybody has some form of self-tape setup. Um, And so, yeah, but there's been a lot of that. But at the same time, there's a flood in the market of available talent. And so it's like it becomes difficult to book these things at the same time. So it's the entertainment industry is always going to do what it does. And that's uh, be a struggle in and of itself. But uh, it's a struggle that for a lot of us continues to be worth it. Well, I was actually, that's where I was
2: going to take it next. I think it is, we talk about a lot of the highs and the great stuff that's been happening, even through the pandemic, you're finding work, but it's been a struggle. Mm -hmm. And I want to acknowledge the lows, too, because you don't have highs without lows, you got to have perspective. Mm -hmm. And for you personally, too. When everything kind of shut down, you've relocated to a different country, Mm -hmm. you left your family behind, You're, you're making your new chosen family out there. And At any point during the pandemic, are you just like, what the hell am I doing with myself?
1: and Constantly. Constantly. Really? Constantly. Um, There are multiple points where it was, the the idea was, do I stay? Do I go back home? Uh, Do I go back home, home? Do I go back? Because I was like, I'm not going to go back to New York. There's nothing. There's nothing happening for me to go back to. So do I just go back to West Virginia, find any form of work, and hope I'm able to assemble pieces of a career back together at some point? Or do I say well you know what i had a fantastic run i got to do some wonderful things i got to create some things that will live on past me um uh, is that is that enough um and honestly that and oh honestly the biggest thing that kept me pushing was my mother before she passed and so because she mm. was constantly like well no she's like this is what you she's like this is what you do this is what you love and this is what you do and this is your career and and uh, there's something uh bonnie says in the uh the opening of the show actually where she says uh, theater is not a a passion it's a profession and that's that's such an important thing because a lot of the times it gets looked at as like well this is just what you all enjoy doing you enjoy showing off and it's like that's part of it but also we enjoy doing it because we're so good at it because we're so good <laughs> at it because a lot of audience members will sit there and look at what we do and think oh i could do that and like there you have your your uh, your armchair performers of course um but uh it's it's when you get out there you realize how much time and skill and effort and commitment it takes to do it well to do it at a level that a lot of people cannot and so my mother was frequently reminding me of that and so I've had to learn to remind myself of that and my dad's tried to try to keep that uh that vein going since her passing but it's um it's It's, it was, it was a horrible time. There were really, really dark windows where it's like, there's, why am I functioning? Why am I attempting to, to do anything? Why am I doing this self tape when nothing's coming in? Um, How many people am I watching leave the industry because their heart, and it's fair, that's fair that they hit the point where their heart is just like, it's not in it. And if it's not, we know, we know what it takes. We know how much time and how much we give up time we give up with family, time we give up at home. We miss birthdays. We miss holidays. We're, we're, we're barely home for Christmas. If that like, it's, it's, we understand what that is. So if, especially with this last year and with a lot of people feeling unsupported, it's, 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 it's a justifiable exit for them to be like, I don't want to fight this fight anymore. Um, I'm lucky that I'm still in the fight as things Mm. are starting to like, work their way back. I feel very privileged and very lucky to still be in this fight. Um, but there were multiple points where I thought, I think, I think I'm going to toss the towel in and I think I'm done. Um, but I'm glad I'm standing here, well, sitting here physically <laughs> if, in the immediacy, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm standing here. Metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically standing here with my, with my, um, with my contemporaries that have, have also been able to weather the storm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've said this so many times in this podcast that you're right. Everyone can look at the stage and say, I can do that. I can do that. Mm. Maybe I'll be just as good once or twice or whatever the case is. But, but theater, Broadway and West End, you guys are the Olympians Mm. of your, of your craft Mm. because you take it eight times a week to do it flawlessly over and over and over again. Make it fresh every time, hit those high notes every time, hit those emotional lows every time. I, I, I mean... Song, song technique aside, when you're talking about the emotional depth of somebody like Elizabeth Stanley, who needs to mm-hmm. go into, in Jogged Little Pill, who just needs to get down and feel, you know, like emotional abuse, sexual abuse, uh,
1: substance abuse, eight times a week? To feel that, to put yourself <laughs> to through that, that eight times a week. And you're doing it because you love it, but you're also doing it to provide that to that audience. Right. Because and they're there to experience that. And it's, I I know I'm not the only one who feels, you feel an obligation to them to give them what they, what they came for. Like, this is what you came for. So here it is. I'm wide open. I'm, as an artist, I'm wide open. Here's the, the fresh cut every night so that you can experience this Mm -hmm. with me, with the cast. And it's when we find these stories that we attach to and that we feel in this way, it makes it easier to. To uh to give yourself over to it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't take a toll. And so that's oh
2: absolutely. And then for for you too, on the opposite end of that, genie right, is gotta be this listen, this <laughs> bigger than life character. Mm. Literally, yeah.
1: because you know it's not not human. You spoke to so, Michael James Scott. I'm sure he told you this is it was a workout. It's a workout, and he's about to start doing it again. Like he's going to dive him back in. Um, and so it's it genie was was it's, it's an, it's an athlete's position. Like it's an athlete's position and it's, it's almost deceiving how athletic that role is. Um, and so it was something that I trained specifically to figure out how to do. Like I was like, I need to figure out how to do this eight times a week. I need to figure out how to build this up. Um, I'm still really good friends with James from who originated it. And I was lucky enough to just speak to James and be like, listen, what do I need to anticipate? <laughs> um, and good friends with Major Attaway who who played the GD. And of course I know MJS and like it's all these amazingly talented brothers who just put all of themselves into this role, into the athleticism, into the the genuine friendship and the storytelling of it. But they're they're athletes. They're athletes, mm-hmm. they're big, beautiful black athletes, and I love them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well that that's uh, to all the people who are like
2: Trevor, why didn't you go into sports? You're like, I did. I did. Do you do you see what I do? Did you see what I did eight times a week for three and a half years? Yeah. Like that. You, you got you got just as much on on athletes as you know your sports. I'll put in air listen, quotes. Right. Like, listen. Like,
1: listen. We were. I mean, because you're. It's genuinely the, the, the triple threat role. And it's like, I am singing, I am dancing, I am dancing, I am dancing and I'm acting. And so it's like, (laughs) I'm doing cartwheels and doing a kick line down the stairs while holding the high note. And so it is the genie is, it is no joke. It is no joke. So all of you that aspire for it, keep pushing. I fully support it because, uh, what you, what you are capable of, um, is, is only, limited to a certain point and uh and you are able to push yourself further than you think you can and believe me um because there were definitely points in the aladdin rehearsal process where i was like oh i'm not gonna make it uh (laughs) and there were points in the in all fairness there were points in the hamilton uh rehearsal process where because it was like learning to speak a new language on stage because it very much operates in a different way than musical theater had before. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is different. This is this is a struggle. The work has to be done and the work continues to go. And that's one of the things I love about with George Washington and with Hamilton is the whole creative team, the work continues. It doesn't just stop. It's not like, okay, we've learned it now. Let's just present the show. We keep working. We keep uh, unpicking it. We keep uh, understanding the nuances of it because there's so much in there. It's impossible. Like if, Even people who may have listen to the sound, listen to that cast recording a million times, which I know a lot of people have. Uh, there's still more to unpick when you see it. There's still, even if you've watched it on Disney plus 50,000 times, there's still the more to unpick- with the captions on. There's still more to unpick when you go see it. There's always more to find in that because, and that's the part of the genius of the work.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it is. It's lightning in a bottle yeah. that is so phenomenal. And you're right. I was going to say, I've watched it with the captions on multiple times. And every single time I'm like, Oh, I've, I didn't realize that lyric meant this. And mm-hmm. then the wordplay for that, mm-hmm. it's, it's insane. So I, I have always thought, uh, I've always been an armchair performer and was a regional theater performer mm-hmm. for a while. And, and just yeah, the, the athleticism, the commitment and the drive that it takes to get where you are, so much respect to,
1: to you and all your peers because it ain't easy. It, ain't, it is but we do love it um and i know and, uh, and I, you we tend to you wouldn't be who you people. are without it yeah 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 genuinely and from this position you tend to meet other people who have that same i don't want to say the word workaholic cuz i think the word workaholic is inflammatory in the wrong way and i think but i that drive of push and it's like that's the thing that we crave we crave almost being overwhelmed and then overcoming it it is an addiction in and of itself um and uh, i feel like a lot of people who perform at the top of their game in this industry have that same that same craving and that same drive and what we've learned in this last year is there's probably more of a need to balance that with with the health of life itself um, and so, cause, cause that would have had more of a balance in that more of a balance of the life outside of the job would have provided me more space to, uh, not have the same dips potentially, um, to not possibly not have faced the same bouts of, and, and, and spells of depression and anxiety that a lot of us ran into. And part of that is we pour so much of ourselves into our identity as a performer, as an actor, and then when that's gone, like gone, gone, completely taken away without much warning, um, okay, who am I now? What's 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 my purpose? What am I doing? What's my point? Um, and so I do I do believe now as we return, it's a good chance to find more of a balance between those two things. Keep the drive. I, keep the drive. Keep the keep the the incessant need to uh, to almost be overwhelmed, but also. Breathe and have a drink with your friends every once in a while without stressing about how many shows. There's a,
2: there's, it's, it's work life balance. And Mm. it's hard, it's hard when, when your life is your work in, in so much. And I, I mean, Performing the people who take it to this level are people who have to do it because it's who they are. Mm -hmm. So it's it is hard to separate work and life because your life is still the need to perform, and your performing is your life. You know, it's it's validation, right? It's the need for attention. It's the need, whatever the case is, individually for one person. So I I really echo that. Like mental health, the mental health journey my own has been uh, tremendous over the last couple years as I started Mm -hmm. to go to therapy and discover things from my past too that I that I didn't know we're a problem and so I I, I don't know how pe- uh, again respect I don't know how you I don't know how the people in your position maintain this when, mm. they ha- when you have an absolute need uh, uh, a 100% need to do this and it makes you who you are but literally there is no ability to do it because a pandemic shut it all down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would
1: do it sounds impossible. You struggle, you struggle, you struggle. And for some people, it it leads to a change in lifestyle. It leads to a change. It leads to, well, you know what? I won't return when things come back. I'm going to focus in on this family thing. I'm going to focus in on a career switch. I'm going to focus in on something else that is able to fulfill me in the now. And that's okay. And that's valid. And that's important that they're able to take those steps to give themselves that sense of fulfillment. Um, And some of us, we just struggle and we keep our fingers crossed. And uh, now it seems like we're on the cusp of getting to like dive back in. We're so close to it being like fully realized. So like we have two, West End shows that are back, that are like actually back. Three now, I think, because I think uh, Magic Mike musical reopened as well. I believe so. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everybody's talking about Jamie is reopened and six is back open. And like these things are back. They are back. They're socially distant, but they're back. We're going to take a short break.
2: Stay tuned for more of the episode. Um, real quick,
1: I want to go back to the Nick Fury voice. So give me a little <laughs> Nick Fury. All right. All right. Well, well, this is Trevor Dion Nicholas, and you're listening to the Theater Podcast. I'm here as Nick Fury saying, signing off. <laughs> I hope
2: Samuel L. Jackson, who listens to my podcast regularly, comments comments on this and lets me know, because that, that was great. Like,
1: what the hell was that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> So let's wrap up. And before I get into my three standard closing questions, I just want to plug one more time. The show must go on at the Live at the Palace Theater, which is available now through Sunday the 13th. Yes, Sunday the 13th at The Shows Must Go On, youtube.com slash The Shows Must Go On. And now, so the three final standard closing questions that I ask everybody to wrap up the episodes. The first one, very simply, is what motivates
1: you? Who what motivates me? Um it's 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 a it's it's honestly it sounds so cliche, but it's a love, it's a love of this. It's a love of the it's a love of the work. Um I enjoy the dramaturgical crap in it as well. I enjoy being able to pick it apart and look at why, why, the why, the why in the storytelling. That's what motivates me, is the why in the storytelling. Also, uh And and I can't lie. It's the, this in theater specifically, you get, it's the immediate, um, the immediate response from an audience of them letting you know right then how they feel about the work that you've done and they'll clap, but sometimes, you know, you know, they weren't really feeling it, but then (coughs) when they clap and you really can tell, you can tell that you've made an impact. You can tell that you've, you've made that, that non-tangible contact with with another human being with a large group of human beings that that that's what drives me that's what motivates me that's my favorite thing about this it's the most addictive thing i've ever felt is the response from an audience not and that. that's why that's why it's difficult when it's like that's why it's difficult when it's been like uh, like for example a lot of theater's been filmed for people to stream and mm-hmm. it's like, it's great and it's wonderful. And I watch them as well. And like, we see these incredible productions and you see this incredible work being done. And I, but I still am like, I wish they had an audience there to let them know in that moment, in that moment, you can feel it. And you know, you're going in the right direction.
2: And in the in the audience too, the, going on a shared emotional journey with mm-hmm. a room full of strangers mm-hmm. is one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. theater. Because for that half an hour, hour, two hours, however long it is, You
1: are, you're all in the same, you're all heading in the same direction. Yes. Yes. It's the same thing with going to the movies, the same thing with going to a concert. You get pulled in with the group, that group, there's something human about that. There's something really human and interesting about that. The way that we connect to other groups of people uh, when we're having stories told, when we're taking in entertainment, the way that we enjoy being entertained, going to stand up comedy, It's a completely different feeling. When you're watching stand up comedy at home, I'm a big stand up comed- stand-up comedy fan. When you're watching it at home, you enjoy it, but there's a big difference when you're there in a room with other people. When you're there in a room with other people, and you start, there's this joint. Again, this like the the, the souls and the spirits start like high fiving each other and stuff. So it's like <laughs> that 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 all of that all of that is the passion. All right. So
2: then the next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a
1: similar path? Ooh, um now it'd be different. It'd be different now from a year ago. Um, and now I would say, uh, of course, put as much of yourself as you can into, into what you do um, and the love of it and the passion for it and the professionalism of it. Um, but also, keep that work life balance, keep that work life balance and hold on to other pieces of yourself that aren 't just the job that aren 't just the gig um, i 'd also say to anybody anybody who wants to come into the business, get very comfortable with a no, get very comfortable with a no, get hyper comfortable with a no, because there's a lot more no's than yeses, and it makes the yeses worthwhile. But at the same time, if you hit the point where the no's are too much and it hurts too much, it is okay to walk away. You should never feel shamed or, or any type of guilt about not being able to hang when, uh, because we all have a different threshold of, of, um, of being turned down, uh, with, with what we do, with what we care Mm -hmm. about so much. And so that would be my, my double advice, hold onto the work life balance and, uh, find your comfort level with the nose. I love that.
2: All right, so the last question. This is Mm -hmm. super hard. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many
1: times as you want, what would you see? This is very easy, Little Shop of Horrors. It's my favorite show of all time. It's my favorite show. The 1986 film is my favorite. Like, I, I am Little Shop of Horrors obsessed. Obsessed. I love that. I love it more than anything else I I know that I know they're remaking the film and I know I really want to play the plant. I know I'm not going to get to it's going to be like CeeLo Green or something, but I really want to play the <laughs> plant. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but no, like they, they are, yeah, that is my that is my that's my one. I love Little Shop more than anything else. Oh, I love that. Easy, right. are you, easy, easy answer. Are you going to come over to Broadway to see or uh, come over to New York to see it off Broadway? I want to. I really want to. I'm hoping once things are back up and running and I get like time to take a little vacation, I can pop over and see it because I haven't gotten to. And so, yeah,
2: I mean, that's it's sold out now, I think, for months from yeah. what I've heard. So. As it should be. As, As it, should it
0: should
1: be. Right, right. Cool. Well,
2: you can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Show your support and help the theater podcast keep its lights on at slash Patreon. Of course, find me online on Instagram and Twitter, theater underscore podcast. Drop me a message. Let me know you're listening. I love to read everything that gets sent in. Leave a rating, leave a review, like it, share it, wherever you are listening right now, tell a friend. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Trevor, thank you most of all. This has been such an amazing conversation. No. Thank you for being genuine. Thank you for being just available and uh, and I cannot wait to come to London and consummate yes. this speed dating virtual
1: relationship. Yes, and yes, give yes. you give you a big old hug. I know I want like a <laughs> real hug. Like when we meet when we meet now, now barring some brand new variant that nobody's talked about yet, when we meet, I am committing to a full-on hug, like a full <laughs> hug. I'm I'm putting that out there to to the world right now that I'm getting to a full on hug when we actually get to meet in person. All right. I am down for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
2: Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful.